What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Talk on our first half of our big broadcast. Uh, we have Congressman Crenshaw with us today. Dan Crenshaw served as a Navy SEAL for a decade, achieving the rank of Lieutenant Commander after being wounded in the uh, Helmand Providence of Afghanistan in 2012. He lost his right eye and required surgery to save the vision to uh, his left. He uh, earned a amazing two Bronze Star medals, one with Valor, the Purple Heart, and the Navy Commendation Medal with Valor, retiring from the military. In 2016, Crenshaw earned a Master of Public Administration from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government in 2017. And it was How elected... Did he uh, I, I, I'm just amazed by all this. Uh, it, he, is, he is way above our usual pay grade for guests. <laughs> uh, he was elected to the United States House of Representatives in November 2018, where he represents the 2nd Congressional District of the Great State of Texas. And he has a brand new book, Fortitude... American Resilience in the Era of Outrage, and he joins us today here on the telephone, and we also have our panel today, which consists of I.Q. Al-Rizzoli, the uh, best-selling author and world traveler, as I like to call him, and uh, our good friend Don Mazzella from SB Digest, and uh, my Sunday radio co-host, Mr. John Mosier, as well. Uh, First of all, uh, Representative Crenshaw, thank you for your service, first off. Second... Wow, you've had a hell of a life, my friend. And it ain't uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's good to be with you guys. So tell us about Fortitude, American Resilience, and the Era of Outrage, and then I'm sure the, uh, the panel here has got some questions for you. So tell us about the book first. Yeah, um, well, you know, this, this book was written in response to the, to the outrage culture, the, the microaggression culture, this cancel culture that that really has besieged uh, America as of late. And um, I didn't want to just write about the problem. I, there's been a lot of great books written about it, dissecting the problems with media, the, the problems with college campuses. Um, I, I just wanted to identify the problem, but then provide solutions. And so the solutions are outlined in each chapter, and, and these are lessons derived from my combat experience, from SEAL training, but but also from pop culture, from our history, from the Bible, uh, from psychological research. Um, and it was really uh, enjoyable to write. I, I think you'll find that there's some really unique lessons in there that, I, that, I, that end entertaining lessons that, that just speak to people on a deeper level. Don, uh, I'm going to start with you, my friend. Uh, what do you have for the congressman? Well, I'd, I'd prefer to hear from the congressman one or two of the things that he talks about and his solutions. 
we're a solutions program, so I'd much rather hear his solutions. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, in the beginning of the book, uh, I talk about perspective. One of the first chapters is called Perspective from Darkness. And I mean that quite literally because I'm telling the story of, uh, of my perspective being blind and li- literally living in darkness and the kind of perspective that gives you, but also the kind of perspective I drew upon to get through that moment. Um, you know, fundamentally understanding when you're in the worst of times uh, how beneficial it is to your psyche when you actively imagine a worse outcome. Um, and it's easy to imagine because guaranteed there is a worse possibility. Somebody has it worse than you. And I would recall the stories of my mom battling cancer for five years uh, and then losing that battle, you know, when she also had two young children to take care of. Uh, I recall my own Texas ancestors, uh, you know, looking at a time when people used to look for water every single day on the Texas frontier, whereas Right now, we don't worry about those things. Now, we are in a real crisis right now, but that perspective is still important. Um, and I go on to talk about, about in the next chapter, you know, talking about who your heroes are and how our culture needs to redefine heroes. Uh, we, we, used to, we used to identify heroic attributes as, as people who, would, who could overcome adversity, who, who, would, who would let things roll off their back, who would be good-natured and good-humored um, as, they, as they confronted darkness and, 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 and adversity. But now it seems like we, we elevate different kinds of supposed heroes. You know, we elevate victimhood. We elevate outrage. We elevate the loudest, angriest voices on the Internet, and they've replaced this kind of self-righteous outrage um, with, with, or they've replaced sophistication for this self-righteous outrage. And it's terrible for our public discourse, and we need to identify those things and, 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 and recalibrate. Yeah, how right you are, Congressman. Yes. Uh, IQR Rizzoli, uh, what, 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 what do you have for, uh, for the Congressman here about his book? Well, he's thinking the same way we are thinking, we have been thinking. I mean, the people he's describing are all leftists. That's 47% of brain-dead Americans. Well, you agree with me is another story. Yeah, I, no, and, and, I, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go, go, no, go, go ahead, ahead. No, go no, ahead no. Congressman. Okay. Yeah, sure, I'll, you know, I'll respond to that. You know, clearly a, lo- a lot of these criticisms are definitely prevalent uh, on the left. I do try to make this book readable to both people on the left and the right. Um, I think the far left will hate it, but I, I think I think good-natured liberals um, will enjoy the book as well. It's not overly political. Um, I, I, I bring in politics into it um, to an extent, but when I criticize activists on um, who, who engage in this sort of outrage manipulation, I, I, I criticize both the left and the right um, pretty fairly. Yeah. Um, I think in the end, the last chapter, what I point out is, is how we need to, to recalibrate the American story as a whole and how this victimhood ideology has, has created this sort of hatred for America's foundations. And, and, of course, we see that primarily on the left, if not completely on the left, yeah, um, yeah. because the ultimate oppressor in their mind is America itself. And it's, it's a short path from from petty, 
self-pitying victimhood to hatred of another, hatred of America, the American story itself. Um, and, and that's where I talk about the differences and solutions between progressivism and conservatism and, and how conservatism is ultimately the, a, 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 a better ideology and a, a better set of principles to, to, to move us past this moment. Absolutely. We have got but a... Could I, uh, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I jump in? Because uh, we seldom get a chance to speak with, with such an articulate man. But, you know, uh, it seems to me, I grew up when we idolized our, our politicians and our leaders because um, while, yes, they might have been power hungry or whatever you want to say, but they all, it seemed that they had a, a feeling of wanting to do for America. Yet it seems to, to, to me, in Congress and around the world, around the country, that people are not, they just say, well, how is it that I can benefit from something? Uh, yeah. It seems to me we've lost our way in that respect. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Democrat President John F. Kennedy um, was, was one of those people that we looked up to. And uh, whose famous words were asked, not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And the Democratic Party has completely switched that. Um, the, the biggest heroes in the Democrat Party are the ones who scream the loudest that everybody is a victim who, needs, who, who can only be helped by those same politicians. Um, it's, it's a very divisive message because, again, if, if somebody needs help, the, the implication that they say, it's not an implication, they say it outright, is that somebody else is oppressing you, whether it's the 1% or whether it's a you know, race or gender, or whatever, however they divide people, um, they, they do it. And, and, and they say that the only people who can save you, who can end your suffering, are the progressives. And that's, that's the fundamental ideology behind progressivism. We will end your suffering. And it's a very religious sort of, uh, sort of ideology in, in a sense, but it's, it's trying to replace religion. Um, but it's trying to replace it with this sort of postmodern, man-made set of uh, of ever-changing, you know, virtues that that are not based in anything really good or solid. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, guest, and Crenshaw with us today. He, of course, is the author of Fortitude, American Resilience in the Era of Outrage. You can buy this on Amazon. It is an absolutely amazing book. We're also joined today by uh, IQ Rizzoli, Don Mazzella, and John Mosier. And, uh, John, uh, sitting here listening to uh, the congressman, I know you probably got some questions for him. Well, first off, I just want to say it's an honor to talk to you, sir. I've listened to you a lot on the radio. I I listen to a lot of um, Patriot Radio. I also, yes, I lean a little bit more conservative. But I've always been impressed and always loved what you've said and everything. It's just like you say. You um, you pretty much just kind of say how it is. You don't, per se, try to take sides. But I just, I just wanted you to know I'm a huge fan of what you say and what you say out there. I really appreciate it. Um, what do you think is the biggest thing right now that's holding things... Is there any way to control the misinformation that goes on through the media and the agendas and stuff that they push? Well, this is a great question. I'm often asked that question, um, and it, it's a really there's a tough it's a tough answer. Um, the reality is is we just need to get more of the 
the uh, the right information out there. Um, and I still do believe fundamentally in, in, in free speech. I'm a free speech absolutist. And um, it's a slippery slope once you try to... Yeah. You know, publicly control that, but you know, we we we've as conservatives, we have to get out there more. We have to go into the high schools. We have to talk on campuses. We have to go into the breach um, a, a lot more and be secure in the values and what we believe. And we have to be smarter and better prepared than the left does, because the left can easily moralize. They can easily moral grandstand. They they rely primarily on this this kind of false sense of compassion that they're the ones who care the most because they're willing to spend the most of your money. And uh, we have to call them out directly for those false arguments. And, and I think for too long, conservatives got complacent um, and, and didn't quite realize how to battle back these kind of crazy arguments from yeah. the left. We were caught off guard too much. So it's, it's important for conservatives to, to study the left more and, and know more about how they think than they do. And uh, because I, because I guarantee you this, they don't know what we think. Um, I, I know this from experience. I, you know, I, I went to Harvard Kennedy School. One of the most interesting things about the Harvard Kennedy School is when I, when I speak to my you know, liberal friends, and they are friends. They are they are generally well-meaning people, but they truly don't know how conservatives think. They have no idea. Um, there, there's a lot of data to back this up as well. When um, there's really good research on this, as far as asking people, okay, what would the other side, how would the other side answer this particular question about moral values? And overwhelmingly, the left gets it totally wrong. They have no idea how we would answer things. Um, and people in the middle, self-described moderates, they're pretty good at answering both sides. Uh, people on the right, pretty good at answering what the left would say in a, in a given question, even though they disagree. But the left truly doesn't know how we think. And uh, it's a good idea to tell them. And, and, and that's what I try to do the most of, right? And I, because I frame their own arguments in a very truthful way, and then I debunk them. And uh, they hate that. It's one of the reasons I'm so, I'm so hated by, uh, by many people on the left. But, but also people, I think, in the middle appreciate that because I'm just providing an argument. I'm, I'm, that's all I'm doing. You know, I'm not insulting anybody. I'm not trying to tear down somebody's character the way they do to us. And, uh, and the, I think you'll find a lot of that in this book, too. I mean, it's, it's a deeper conversation on cultural philosophy in many ways, um, with, some, with some very random deep dives into, uh, into policy as well, just, just to just kind of make the point about, because about, what, I, what I point out in the book is that one element of mental toughness is the ability to dive deep into an issue uh, before you react to it. And, uh, you know, at least, at least, at least assume bef before you read a headline that there might actually be more to the story um, and, and encourage people to learn more about something before they start, before they march down the street waving a fifteen dollar minimum wage sign, you know, and, uh, you know that there might be more to the story. And uh, tough people can do that, and I think mentally weak people are, are very prone to emotional reactions and emotional reasoning, and it's it's not good. Well, uh, go, go ahead, John, jump in there. Yeah, I've got one more follow up for that. Do you think the left's biggest fault is the fact that most conservatives want to be asked? To tolerate stuff or they don't want to be told you have to do this they want to be asked so instead of being called like a homophobe or something it's like most people couldn't care less you know what people do in their bedroom next door to them you know as long as you don't do anything weird most people that are conservative don't care do you think that's their biggest problem is they want to tell everybody what to do instead of ask people to do it yeah that's correct so the, the fundamentally what you're getting at is the, the left doesn't understand the definition of a right 
that's a really important thing that they that they, they they've misconstrued this definition, right? Like, the, for instance, they call healthcare a right. Healthcare can't be a right because it it involves the service of somebody else giving it to you. It cannot be a right. Now we could all agree that we want everybody to have access to it, and we want it to be affordable, and we we should all be working towards solutions on, along those lines. But to say that it's the government's job to to provide that service to you and guarantee it, one, it's impossible, just I, I think physically speaking. And we know this from other countries that try to do it. They have enormous wait times. They can't actually guarantee it, even though they say they do. Um, and so that that that's the main problem. And as far as what, what you just mentioned, as far as you know, like yeah, like you just mentioned the gay marriage thing. You're right. A lot of conservatives just say, oh, yeah, just do what you want. But we just don't need to, you to impose it on others. And uh, that seems to be the right balance, you know, this kind of live and let live philosophy, which really is conservative in nature. Um, we just don't want it to be imposed upon each other. And this gets to the, that gets to the debate of, you know, does the baker have a right to not involve themselves in a, in a wedding that they don't believe in? And I would say, of course they do. Um, of course they do. Uh, you, you can't force somebody into that. And uh, that, that's that's all we're asking: a live and let live scenario. We've we've got a hold hold on a sec. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Dan Crenshaw joins us. Fortitude, American resilience in the era of outrage. Uh, Don, uh, do, you, do you have any more questions for? Uh, for well, I was for just going to say and jump in. It seems to me, but the problem uh, is really that progressives feel that power. Uh, 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 ex- exerting power and <clears throat> being in power is more important than w- than w- what they say or do, but rather the, uh, in the pursuit of power, understanding that once they're in power, they can do what they want. <coughs> what do you say to that? That, to me, is how I, I view most of the pro- progressive agenda. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, uh, power is... is- certainly the ultimate goal and then and there because they're because their goals their supporting goals or their supposed principles change quite often you know while 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 you might blame both sides for becoming more polarized in recent years only one side has radically changed uh what they even stand for and that's that's pure opportunism for the sake of gaining power and so that yeah i, I think that's that's absolutely right. There's, there's not a lot of underlying philosophy or principles behind that. And uh, I, I think that's objectively true because I, I listen to what they say, and I think they would say that their, their principles are, well, fighting injustice and fighting inequality. Those, are, those pretty much stand out, and I think they would even agree with that. But I would point out that those are, those are honorable goals if, if you define them correctly, um, but they're not, they're, they have nothing to do with a governing philosophy. And you, you, if you're going to be in power, you have to actually govern under a certain framework of limiting principles, and they don't care about any of that. That's, that's the problem with, with giving them power. You know, I, I go back to George Washington and, and King George's statement. My God, he gave up power to go back and be a farmer, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. If you remember yeah. that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, the old soul, uh, how are you going to keep them down on the farm once they've seen Paris? But, but the point seems to be that, that uh, progressives seem to think that by gaining power they can achieve their goals, and conservatives seem to think that the, the goals will be achieved by a consensus rather than by, by imposing power. 
And I, I think that point is never really discussed, that conservatives view it as a consensus. Um, uh, we, we, believe in, we believe in the principles of a, of a republic uh, with which to govern ourselves, whereas the, the Democrats believe in a pure democracy. It's, it's a good way to distinguish for people when they ask the difference. Well, Republicans believe in a republic. Demo uh, Democrats believe in a pure democracy. It's in the name. And it's also in the policies. Uh, we, we believe in that separation of powers, that states have rights, that local government um, should, should manage people, should manage their cities in the closest way because they're closest to the problem. And, uh, you know, we believe in, in a federal system of, you know, with a Senate with two senators per state and an electoral college, whereas Democrats would be happy to, to change all that because fundamentally they're trying to get 51% of the population yep. to reign over the other 49%. So all they really care about is building that coalition of 51%. They don't, and it gets to the issue of only wanting power. Well, uh, before we let you go, uh, Dan, this book is absolutely incredible. You've written a, 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 hell, of a, a hell of a book here. Uh, I guess I'll go to IQ Al Rizzoli. IQ, do you, you have the final question, my friend, before we let Dan go. Yes, because Dan is uh, very outspoken. I keep track of that. With Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, why hasn't anybody in Congress raised the issue, which is my, my this is my subject, by the way, Islam, that she swore on the Quran and the Quran is the nemesis of the American Constitution. <laughs> she wears the hijab, which is Sharia uh, compliant, which is again against the American Constitution. My question is, you have 400 or 500 people in Congress and in the Senate, and not one of them stood up and said anything like that. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think fundamentally the problem with her is, is, is not the religion. I mean, we have freedom of religion in this country. You know, we, we are a Judeo-Christian history-based country that, that, that has not changed, but we also, we also don't um, exclude religions either. Yeah. But her, the problem with her is mostly that she doesn't, she, she doesn't have any gratitude for any of the foundations of this country or any of the good things in this country. She's, she's proven herself to be fundamentally anti-American in so many ways. The question I have about her, the, the more interesting analysis is is she really a product of, of Islam or is she a product of the far left in America? Uh, because I know plenty of Muslims and they they're good Americans. Um, but the, the the problem with her is that she's 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 combined her identity politics with that far progressive left, and it's just yep. it's a very toxic yep. toxic combination. Well. Uh but before we let you go, uh, Mr. Crenshaw, how, how do we get a hold of you online, get your book, everything else, and then I'll let Don ask the bottom question here. So uh, you can buy it anywhere you normally buy books. Of course, I prefer you, you try to buy it from a local bookstore. Um, that's uh, you know, one, because they need our help, and two, because they need our help. Everybody needs, uh, every small <laughs> business needs help. But of course, you can get it on Amazon. It's also on Audible and Kindle and all that, so you can really get it anywhere, Barnes and Noble, wherever you want. Don, you've, you've got the final question here before we let the Okay, speak. I just want to say, uh, my mother's favorite saying was, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. So, uh, you, uh, you yeah. may have heard that one before. <laughs> well, when you spoke at the beginning of this thing, uh, that leaped to mind. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I should have quoted that in my... Uh, chapter on perspective 
Well, I'll tell you, it, it's definitely uh, been an honor and a privilege. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Mr. Crenshaw. That this definitely has been fun. We've we've all enjoyed it, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. There he goes, Dan Crenshaw, the author of Fortitude: American Resilience in the Era of Outrage. And uh, so, for for the rest of the uh, the broadcast here, it'll just be uh, IQ, Don, myself, and Mr. John. Um, I want to start with IQ. What, 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 what did you think of the uh, of, of the congressman there and his book? No, he's a, he's a definitely an amazing guy. I mean, I keep track of what he well, the debate he has. But again, his answer regarding Ilhan Omar shows how completely out of touch with reality every single person in the, the, the both Republican and Democrats about Islam. She is behaving not because of progressive, pro, progressiveness. She is behaving because she is obedient to the Quran. Why is it so difficult to understand that? True, that says everybody has the right to have their religion. I agree a hundred percent. But when that religion dictates to its followers to be enemy to the people they live amongst, don't give me crap. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to go to Don, Mr. Mazella. Uh, <laughs> what, what? What? What did you think of our uh, of of our chat there with uh, with the congressman? Well, first off, I think we need more people like him in Congress. Let's start with that point. <laughs> um, uh, too, I'm gonna, uh, like many of your guests. I'm going to go out and get the book. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it has to be with Amazon because we're all locked in over here. <laughs> yes, because uh, you're 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 in Joyzy of all places. Yeah, well, you're with all of that. But uh, more importantly, he, he's bringing up some of the issues that um, uh, you know uh, we're facing an epidemic here. And what do uh, what do we get? We get uh, carping from people about every single thing. Um, we, we have a congressman who, who is uh, trying for impeachment uh, 3.0. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw where Congressman Schiff says he's now going to investigate uh, our preparations for, pen, for the pandemic. And, and uh, he, he really brought up uh, some very good points. I wish we had uh, uh, guests like that at every show. Boy, will we go, our ratings go through the roof? <laughs> now, uh, now, now, John, what 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 did you think of uh, the congressman? Oh, like I say, I've, I listen to him a lot on the radio and stuff, and huge fan of his. Um, I agree with IQ. I'm just trying to figure out who it was in Minnesota that decided to um, elect Ilan Omar. That's where I'm trying to wonder why would you elect somebody like that? I give you the answer. In Minnesota, you have the largest community of Somalis who okay. were brought to Minnesota by the Muslim traitor in chief called Obama. <laughs> okay, I, I, IQ, you, you, you need to not be as, as closeted and uh, and uh, quiet with, with with your thoughts and opinions, sir. <laughs> look, look, all my life I try to behave decently. But when I find an opponent who's completely indecent, I'll go beyond indecent. Well, you know, uh, we may, and I, 
I I hate as as everybody knows. I don't like drama. And uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I got a bridge to Brooklyn to show you. Uh, I, but no. uh, I interviewed a a rap artist the other day that I've known for God eons, and uh, th- he's now become a converted Muslim. <laughs> and he was that's because he wants four wives. He was. <laughs> He was on here, and he was supposed to be on the show talking about his new CD and all these things, and he had this fez on, and he was talking about Islam, Islam this, Islam that, and after we got done, I said, you know, I didn't know you were Islamic, and he goes, oh yeah, I converted Islam, the the religion of peace, all this stuff. And I said, you know, I've got a guy that I would love to hook you up with to do a debate on (laughs) I tell you, bring him. Bring him. him. (laughs) Because I'm going to ask him one single question. One, listen. I will pay him (laughs) $200,000 if he can find a single operative verse in the Quran that shows any compassion or mercy to anyone who's not a Muslim. $200,000 in cash. Let me let me hear him answer. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, can I can I think, John? Throw out a subject. I mean, am I aggressive? <laughs> John is is, is I as IQ too aggressive. <laughs> no, he's just honest. That's all I think. <laughs> go go ahead, Don. You you wanted to say something? Jump in there, yeah, brother. Uh, in today's Wall Street Journal, uh, one of uh, the the uh, editorial is about the fact that. Uh, uh, the President Trump's uh, uh, daily briefings have become a, a, a contentious battleground between him and the uh, media. Uh, uh, and I just wanted to uh, toss it out there because I've looked at I, I've looked at one or two and couldn't agree with them more. But do you think it helps or hinders President Trump in the coming campaign? Yeah. What What do you think about that, John? I didn't catch all of it. Sorry, I apologize. What's the main part of it? Um, essentially, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in the daily briefings, the press seems uh, be tossing questions of President Trump that are designed to become uh, be contentious rather than eliciting information. And do you think it helps or hinders his presidential campaign? It depends on which side you're looking at. Overall, I think it hinders it, but in other aspects, I think it helps. It's like the idiot who asked the question, would you give a think about giving a pardon to Joe Exotic? <laughs> it's and every every stupid media outlet jumped on that, like, oh, my God, oh, no, 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 this, something like that. It's like, I, why do media people do that? I mean, I understand, but it's it was just the stupidest question, and why wasn't he just, like, kicked out of the whole briefing it had nothing to do with the thing it'd be like if one of you guys were talking about the situation in the middle east and i asked you do you think cherry pie or apple pie is the best one it's ridiculous (laughs) the the press has proven itself to be in in many respects but but uh, but do you think overall his handling i think he handled it well because he was kind of short and he's like, oh. yeah, or whatever, dumb, dumbass. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go on here. Yeah, yeah, I'll look into that. Right here, they pay you to do this. You know, 
I, I was really saying, do you think overall his overall handling of this epidemic um, uh, 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 has helped or hindered him? Um, to a point, the way that they're twisting everything, I think it's hindered him some. Um, if you look at the actual, because they take little snippets and bend it however they want, I still think that there's no way in hell he's going to lose to Joe Biden. I mean, <laughs> Joe Biden, I mean, I'm sure he was a good guy. He's done a lot of good things here or somewhere like that. But, I mean, Joe Biden's best quality is the fact he has a very intelligent, beautiful wife. Otherwise, he's the most incompetent boob I've seen up there in Washington in the last, like, 10, 12 years. I mean, he doesn't even remember where he is 90% of the time. Uh, but today's post, uh, the the uh, front page is a picture of him sleeping in the and it is where's Joe Biden? Uh, that's what what's today's headline. But I uh, I don't believe he will be the candidate when all is said and done. Well, who do you think's going to come in there? Because Cuomo doesn't want it, and he'd oh, be he their wants best. It so bad he can taste it. Oh, he does. <laughs> the way I've seen it in red stuff, it's like he doesn't. But well, I mean, I, uh, I know that, but. Uh, he wants it so bad he can taste it. Um, uh, the, the point is, he he wants them to ask. He wants the party to ask him to come okay. on. Okay, I got you. The, the whole thing that I thought was ridiculous about the whole Democratic primary was you had all these like far left Democrats talking about, hey, we want change, we want a difference, you know, yada yada this. And the two leading contenders were old, established white guys. <laughs> I mean, you had you had three different women in there that were, you know, running. And I mean, not I'm not talking about wannabe Pocahontas who was a complete fake there. But you had Tulsi Gabbard who had, you know, she was she was military, and still is. Like she could be called out any time with the guard. But she had a little bit of difference. She had Andrew Yang. I mean, you had all kinds of people that you could have gone with that would have been better choices. And they picked Joe Biden. It just it it, it boggles my mind. I IQ. What, what what do you make of the fact that uh, that that they went with the Joe Biden? They had no choice. They actually had no choice. But now they have to change. And I think uh, what's his name? Obama's wife might be one. Oh yes, they're, they 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 they've talked about uh, tossing Michelle my bell in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Don, according to what you're asking about whether the press briefings help or hinder Trump, if I were the representative of the president at the press briefings, many heads would have been rolling. Because so I would they not are. tolerate the press I would secretary not now. No, because I would not tolerate stupid questions. <laughs> I would give him a chance, fair, <laughs> once. Twice, third time is out, ever, forever. But that is uh, pretty, pretty damn amazing. That uh, you know, well, I, I, I think, think his biggest problem. Sorry, go, no, no, go ahead, John. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, for De um, Don, the um, the biggest thing is Trump lost a huge ally when Sarah Sanders Huckabee decided to, you know, step down. I mean, she was awesome. As the press secretary, she didn't put up with crap. She could answer people like that. She could, you know, she she shut them down really quick. She wasn't like, she was mean, but she wasn't mean, you know. 
And that was that's the biggest loss he's had since he's been up there is when she decided to step down, I think. Well, there's more to that story. And we'll, we'll eventually find it out, probably after this administration. But let me t- tell you something that I heard today, just that President Trump will not run at the end of this year, uh, next time. What do you think about that? I think that would be a scary prospect because I don't see anybody that could take his spot. No, um, uh, somebody somebody um, called me today to say, um, in fact, I just had another call on that point, uh, literally just right now, that uh, uh, there's, there's a feeling that he, he's getting a little worn down with this battle. Oh, I could believe that. I mean... There's never been anybody in political history that has been attacked and vilified and had so much stuff thrown against him as Donald Trump has. I mean, the guy actually has taken a loss going into the presidential office. Um, His net worth is down some since he's been there, and all he's done is tried to help people. Yeah, he's a little bit braggadocious. Yeah, he's kind of a glory hound sometimes, but... you can't take anybody in the last, I'd say, 16 years that has sit there made campaign promises and basically kept every single one of them. He's the only person. Everything Amen to that. he was going to do, he's done. You know, Obama had the office for eight years, and I'm not sitting there trying to be mean to him, but what did he accomplish? He didn't accomplish one thing. Yeah. People sit there and talk about, you know, him making it so people with pre-existing conditions couldn't be discriminated against for health insurance, but thousands upon thousands upon thousands lost their health insurance through companies, good health insurance, because of his in- the incompetence of Obamacare. Yes. Couldn't and agree with you more. Amen. People just don't see that, you know, and I mean, I'm not trying to sit there and beat the Trump bandwagon, but I mean, he's the best hope this country has right now, because if it's Joe Biden and them, oh my God, I'm I'm fearful for everybody. Well, uh, can we switch uh, gears a little bit? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Again, I'm I'm only going by what's in in, You know, remember Will Rogers' line, I I only know what I read in the newspapers? (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Newspapers? People still read newspapers? (laughs) I do, faithfully. But I, I guess my question to IQ is, what do you think is happening really in Iran? It's a catastrophe. And most of it you can't hear because they are suppressing everything. The coronavirus will be, hopefully, the destruction of the Iranian regime. Their economy was already in spiral, downgraded because of uh, Trump. The destruction of two of his terrorist leaders by exterminating them, also helped. They lied about the airplane that they shot down, which was full of Iranians. They lied about the coronavirus, and they continue to lie. And, and they, uh, and they it, chopped uh, the reporter's head off, and everybody went, eh. Yeah, but something else is happening. The imams and the ay- of the ayatollahs, the leaders of the ayatollahs, have allowed the coronavirus to continue from January the 1st 
to February 19th, non-stop. And even now, as I'm talking to you, the reports are coming that when the police try to stop uh, people going to the mosque, the attendants attack the police. I'm talking about Iran. Why? People don't understand what Islam is. Islam is a belief system. And if one is a Muslim, one must believe that whatever Muhammad said was divinely revealed. Another two or three, four items which are in the Hadith, and anybody doesn't believe, we can Google it and find out. Muhammad said, there is no such thing as transmission of disease. The plague is given to humanity by Allah. Nothing to do with viruses. The concept of virus doesn't exist. They never knew about it. We didn't know about viruses until the 20th century. Okay? Well, you, you know, but you people know what don't is... seem to accept these fundamental beliefs are ingrained in these people. You can laugh at them. You can joke about them. But they are real. Back to you. What, what, what's interesting, IQ, is that uh, you, you, you bring up the fact that they don't you know, believe in any of that as far as science and, and all these different things. Well, there is uh, there's several, uh, I guess we'll call them r religious leaders here in the United States. I don't know if you've seen the videos, Don and IQ and John, of the guy uh, blowing, oh, yeah. blowing, blowing, air, blowing air into the, in, in, blowing away the coronavirus. Just, just, just <laughs> exactly, Don. Yeah. He just, he's, he just blows air into the, uh, into the TV screen, and he's like, "Be gone." <laughs> so, but what, one thing I, I want to have um, IQ explain to John because you, 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 you told me and Don about this, and I, I, I desperately want to get John's take on this whole thing about the fact that they. Uh, you know, the, the, the they kept doing all the things over there, even even being told, you know, don't touch, don't touch things, don't kiss the wall, don't do all these things, and they're just like, ah. Eh. Well, as it, I mean, John doesn't know anything about me, but John, let me put you in this. If you Google my name, I'm not saying you want to buy anything. I don't sell anything. <laughs> El Rasuli, A L R A, double S double O L I. You will know more about Islam in an hour than any imam in Islam. I've heard you before on here like that. There's been times where I've been on that you have too. So, so Islam is a yes. belief system. It's not a religion. It's a cult, the cult of Muhammad. Why do I say it's a cult of Muhammad? When you read the Quran and read, sorry, when you study the Quran and study the Hadith, the Hadith are traditions about Islam you will find out they follow more about what Muhammad did, not what the Quran said. For example, it is not prohibited to drink wine in the Quran, but in the Hadith, yes. It is not allowed to paint human forms. It's not in the Quran, it's in the Hadith. You're not allowed to dance. It's not in the Quran, it's in the Hadith. You're not allowed to, uh, to use musical instruments because they Musical instruments are from Satan. Again, it's in the Hadith, so I can give you another 20, 30 items. But these are nothing to do with the Quran. So if somebody is following a man, and they consider Muhammad superior to Jesus, superior to Moses, and superior to Abraham. So when you 
follow a creature you not following god you're not following allah you're following a human being it's a cult that's it it's that simple it's not complicated so uh so iq uh bring us up to speed on the the fact that uh and, and I'm sure that Don, because I don't know if we've, we've talked, I know he's talked about this with Dan, but I don't know if we've talked about this with Don. Uh, explain to Don and, and, and John here today, I'm rhyming, uh, about, the, uh, <laughs> about the fact that the Muslims are being encouraged to go spread the COVID-19. Tell us this every story. Every imam in the Western world, every imam in Islamic society, in every single mosque, in every Friday sermon, are inciting their followers that if they get sick with corona, to spread it among the other people. For example, a Muslim in England, where I live, if he gets sick with corona, go and spread it by spitting or sh- uh, touching or do something to have British people fall for it. It's called the Corona Virus Jihad. You can laugh. You can think it's crazy, but it is not laughable matter, and it's not a crazy item. Jihad is literally the sixth and most important pillar in Islam. Do I explain myself? Do you think? Yes, you've done very well, sir. Yes. So, so well, it's, it's the, what do you make of this, Don? Scary. No, it is scary. Believe me, it's scary. Let me uh, jump in here and, and, and kind of put some another t- twist to it. Uh, uh, finally, yesterday, um, uh, uh, someone finally put in print the idea what, uh, that uh, this virus really is a jump from a Chinese lab rather than from the bat or what, the uncooked bat. What do you think about that? We said that about two months ago, for God's sake. Since the beginning of J- January, I said it. Well, Since the beginning of January, I said this was a human error. It escaped. Wuhan is a great four laboratory for biological warfare. That's the highest level. For 10,000 years or 1,000 years or 2,000 years, the Chinese have been eating these animals alive and nothing happened. All of a sudden, what happened? It is impossible. And the Wuhan market is only a few hundred yards away from where the laboratory is. It's not a coincidence. It happened, shit happens. <laughs> yes. <The robot> happened. <laughs> yes. We have got IQ Al Rizzoli with us today, Don Mazzella, John Mosier. Uh, this has definitely been a, uh, an interesting panel here. Uh, Don, uh, jump in there, my friend. Well, I was going to ask John, what are you doing, and how do you do um, We seldom get a chance to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, yourself and what you feel uh, is important. Um, I just think, you know, people should be, it's kind of like when I was talking to Representative um, Crenshaw, if you ask people on some stuff to sit there and tolerate it, it's fine. I understand, you know bunch of different things but i do also understand the fact that china has never been a per persona a friend of the u.s um neither has iran or iraq or any of those they were never friendly with the u.s it was just 
I don't understand why people can't see that. People want to sit there and race bait all the time, like, oh, you're an Islamophobe, you're this a phobe, or whatever. No, I'm just a semi-logical person, and don't tell me I'm wrong, but don't tell me I'm right all the time, because I'm not. And people just don't seem to understand to just step back and look at stuff. It's like, I don't agree with everything, you know, some of the people do. It's like, I like listening to Hannity, but I don't agree with everything he says. I'm not a blind follower. What IQ is saying is most of the people that follow Muhammad are blind followers. I mean, they're fanatics. So they follow that, and that's it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. That is it. And that's the biggest problem is a lot of people don't have their own independent thinking to look at it in the logical way. John? You're one of the few people who came to the conclusion perfectly true. It is, they cannot change. It's not because they are evil. No Muslim is born evil. They are indoctrinated to be evil. I never said I hate Muslims. Never. I never said kill Muslims. Never. I said destroy the Quran. And I've done that. Yeah, because I mean, they, like, People try to say it's a religion of peace, and I mean, most religions have faults in them somewhere, but any religion that sits there and says, if you do not believe in our religion, you should die, is not a religion of peace. Correct, but <laughs> the one who started it was uh, Bush after 9-11, when he said Islam means peace, and forever the Muslims carried this on. Islam is rooted in a verb called Aslama. Aslama does not mean peace, it means submission. Nothing about Islam is peaceful, not a single iota. And yet, nobody wants to hear it. But, and going along with what you're saying, you've got all these, and pardon me for sitting there sounding like getting in my conservative bandwagon to a point, but you uh-oh. He froze. His Skype froze. Something. Something happened. You're okay now. <laughs> okay. okay. There, cool. there we go. But what people don't understand is the fanatics of Islam don't believe in women's rights. They think all gays should die. And that's totally against what they supposedly, you know, purport and expound upon all over the place. But they don't say anything about that. It'd be like, you know, me selling chocolate ice cream and telling you how oh, chocolate ice cream's evil you should sit there and buy vanilla and strawberry it's kind of counterproductive if you don't see what I'm meaning there Couldn't everything that they sit there and try to say about it this is political correctness gone haywire <laughs> that's what the problem is oh yeah yes sir I just want to jump in here friend of mine as a journalist and not, is not a conservative sent me this one which is the, the New York Times headline America suffers and, uh, blacks and Puerto Ricans suffer most um, and I only bring it up because uh, that's the way, way we seem to be uh, heading in this world today well, they, try to race bait. they race bait all the time I mean they do it it's like they don't tell you about the poor white trash dude that got shot by the cops, you know, when he was being apprehended. If you actually look at statistics, um, the only group that doesn't get shot more by the police 
than the African-Americans is Native Americans. Because, I mean, most of the time they're on the reserve and they get shot more by their place. But, I mean, Hispanics, Asians, whites, they all get there. If you look at statistics, more of them are killed in police action than the blacks by far. But the media knows all you've got to do is sit there and make it a race bait thing. And they can incite whatever they want to do. It doesn't matter whether it's correct or not. And most intelligent people, you know, try to sit there and think about it. It's like, it'd be like me saying, like, every black guy in a poor neighborhood is terrible. They're not. Hmm. Some of the most brilliant guys, I mean, you look at, um, God, I can't think of his freaking name. He plays in the NFL, grew up in Compton, went to Stanford, um, got his degree, incredibly smart, Place for the 49ers now. Um, he's a defensive secondary player, but um, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's a guy that grew up with absolutely nothing, and he made something of himself. Yep. If that doesn't show you anybody can do it, and don't get me wrong, not everybody gets the chance like he did, but, I mean, he stuck to it. He knew his only way out of there was if he was smart and he kept playing football. And the fact that he could play football good kept him out of a little bit of trouble with the people in his neighborhood. But everybody has that. There's just as many poor white neighborhoods or poor Asian neighborhoods or poor Latino neighborhoods as there is anything. But they know if you sit there and race bait stuff, the media does. It's like that poor kid that was uh, Greta whatever her name was. I really hated the way, I mean, I think she's kind of a goof to a point, but that's just me. But I hated the way that the media positioned her to get all this hate and stuff when that's not what she's trying to do. Hmm. Uh, uh, part of the problem today's world is the, me- the media people have never worked on a newspaper. And here's my bias showing. Because um, uh, when you work on a newspaper, you see, uh, you see life up close. The little, little bit in the, in the big parts. But you, you you do learn a little bit of perspective. Um, but not the New York Times. <laughs> well, the New York Times no longer requires that you work in a newspaper to be uh, hired. Um, before, they used to have it. But, but I remember uh, an editor of mine, Aldo Poto, I have his photo on my desk. And he said, if you learn to cover a little municipality, you could cover, uh, you could cover Washington. And you want to know something? He was right. But you, you learn a lot more uh, uh, on the ground there. Uh, and the best place to learn is in a police car and a ride-along. If you ever rode along in a police car, you, you'd never want to be a policeman. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, it's a real shame. I always remember the Abbott and Costello uh, close of one program where, where uh, Costello says, you shouldn't run away from, if you see a policeman, you shouldn't run away from them, you should run towards them, because they're there to help you. Uh, and in most cases, they are. Um, anyway, I'll get off my high horse. I just <laughs> feel so from... But Don, in answer to your, the report that more black people are suffering, the reason the black people are suffering from coronavirus is obesity. If you don't believe me, double check it. These are oh, the no. statistics. Well, same thing with diabetes and stuff because yeah. they... Obesity, definitely. 
And a lot of them, honestly, it's kind of like in New York. In New York, a lot of people are all sandwiched on top of each other. And uh, it's just like, you know, other places. But there's a lot of um, areas where the African-Americans live that they're all kind of shoehorned in there. So they've got close proximity to each other. So it takes, like, nothing for it to spread. Yeah. Well, the other part of it is that they're not separate. They're congregating outside and they're congregating they're congregating despite everything. We just had another incident today, yesterday, where uh, the police went to break up a congregation and they sucker pu- punched the police. Jesus. So, so naturally, what did they, uh, what did they show the film of? Of the policeman retaliating. <laughs> you know? And of course. It's, it's, a, it's a no-win situation. They win here, but, they, but where it really counts, it's a no-win situation. Absolutely amazing. Before we let everybody go, uh, IQ, how do we find you online, sir? Just Google my name. Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. By the way, it was a fantastic talk today. John, it was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure to talk to you again soon, sir. Now, uh, Don, how, how do we get a hold of you online and get your books and everything you know, else? You know, 2SB Digest, uh, hashtag 2SB Digest, and uh, the and the National Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen nref dot com dot org dot org. Yes, I wondered because usually it's dot org. I was like, what? No, Did it's you dot get org. Gone today? <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, John, I, I guess as we, you don't really have anything you're selling. Uh, so give us give give, 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 give us your... enough by himself. <laughs> <laughs> give, give us your take on uh, today's show before we let everybody go I thoroughly enjoyed it I love talking to both you guys both you IQ and you Don I, it was real nice and I got to talk to Representative Crenshaw who I was a huge fan of and I admire the fact you know of his service to the country and now his service to the peace, people of Texas He um, he's just pretty He's a very good man that sits there and tries to do the right thing each time. Well, it definitely has been a fun show, and uh, I guess we will talk to everybody next Thursday. And I'm and I'm waiting on a uh, I'm waiting on a a time because I think we're going to get our uh, our debate about the Muslim religion possibly next week. <laughs> so I do. I will let you know. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a good day. And uh, there they go. John Mosier and uh, IQ Alvarezoli and, of course, Don Mazzella, the biggest town of his. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.